0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to to keep talking about something that the Lord is speaking to me about. This is in lieu of getting ready for Passion Week, coming up with the next couple weeks, uh, talking about the story of Jesus and what he's done for us what it means to us. So if you got your Bibles, let's open them up to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Woo! You guys are on point. Romans chapter 5. Do you have some sermon notes available on the eVersion Bible app if you want to follow along there. Uh, but let's jump right into this. I feel like the Lord's wanting to, to go here for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Last week we talked about this in Romans 5:1. Here it says therefore having been justified by what? By so we're justified by faith. We're justified, if you'll remember, means to be acquitted, it means to be rendered innocent, to be made righteous, to remove from guilt of our sins, to be judicially vindicated. So when we're justified, we're talking about in the eyes of God we've been justified, not in the eyes of people, in the eyes of the one who counts, we've been justified. We need to stop trying to be justified through the eyes of people and focus on being justified in the eyes of God. If we're going to try and be justified by every person in this world, good luck trying to please everyone. And trying to impress them into thinking that you're good enough, that you're righteous enough, that you're worthy enough. Only one we need to concentrate on is Jesus. And he says that we're justified by what? By faith. faith. By faith. We are not justified by church attendance, even though it's very important. We're not justified by good deeds, although those are very important. We are not justified by praying a prayer. Although that's very important. There's one of the things as I was preparing for this this week, I felt like we have presented, when I say we, I'm talking about the church in general, has presented a gospel that needs some tweaking, I'll say. That's a nice way of saying it. We presented a gospel to people that thought their salvation or justification can come by simply repeating these words after me. Would you like to go to heaven? Yes. Well, then raise your hand and say these words. That is a process. That is a process of being saved. But that is not the full story of what salvation requires. Salvation requires one thing. It requires faith. You are justified By faith. So we talked about this a lot last week, so I don't want to spend a lot of time in it, but I want to make sure we understand what faith is. Faith is trust, belief, to be persuaded, convinced, or certain so your actions correspond with what you believe. I am fine with someone raising a hand, may ask him to do it. I'm fine with them praying a prayer with me, may ask him to do it. But salvation only comes to us when we release faith to God. You can repeat a prayer after a guy or a gal on a stage but still not be saved unless you release faith to God. We're not praying to people. We're praying to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Until I release faith, what does that mean? Well, I believe in God. That's not faith. Faith is not that we believe in God. Faith is when I become persuaded, convinced, certain to the extent that now my actions follow up what I say I believe. That's faith. And until we present that reality to people, people are going to walk around thinking they're saved when they're not. Well, I go to church and I I raised my hand so I'm saved. But your actions have not changed one iota. And until there's fruit, the Bible says that we will know them by their fruit. So God said, listen, if you want to release faith in me, your actions will have to change. So you're justified by what? Justified by having been justified. Now this is in the aorist tense, and I don't mean to be um, too detailed, but I think it's important. When we're studying the Bible, this is written in the Greek language in the aorist tense. Like having been justified, when I look at it, I think in English, well, that's just the past tense, so having been justified. He's, no, no, no. Having been justified is in the aorist tense, A-O-R-I-S-T. And that tense means not only something that's happened, but it's a snapshot of something with no process. So it's it's the tense Talks of something that that took place in a blink of an eye, bam. There's no process. You just became it. It's like you're you're doing something, and you take a selfie. Bam. That's a snapshot. There was no p- process. It just happened. Having been justified. Justified is a snapshot of what takes place in our spirit when we release faith to God. I'm not saved through a process. I am justified, bam, my spirit is made new in Christ. I'm not talking about my soul. There's a difference. The first uh, the first four chapters of Romans talks about justification, which is not a process. It is a immediate. Uh, it is immediate. I would say thing, but it's something that happens immediately when we release faith to God. We were dead in our sins, but we're made righteous. Made righteous in our spirit. So when I release faith to God, I have been justified. Bam. It happens as a means of faith without process. Sanctification, on the other hand, is an ongoing process which results from the spirit of God changing who we are on the inside so that now our behaviors begin to change on the outside. Sanctification absolutely is a process. Justification is a snapshot of when we release our faith to God. So I'm born again in my spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone be in Christ, they are what? A new creation. When do they become a new creation? After 50 years of growing in the Lord? No. We become a new creation immediately when we get born again. It takes 50 years sometimes for us to figure out the fullness of what is in there That's sanctification but justification happens immediately. Just want to clear that up. Why do we need to clear that up? Because we're leaving too much on the table because we believe we've not arrived yet and the truth is our spirit has already arrived and we just need to tap into what God has already provided for us. We're trying to oh shit okay. we're trying to live out things through the means and the definition of sanctification that God said happened in justification. So I'm, I'm just talking about myself now. I'm living below what God wants me to live because I'm trying to process justification the same way that I do sanctification. And God says, you have been justified. Bam! Now walk in that new justification. Walk in that new identity. Walk in that new purpose who you begin. Be that new creation in Christ. Stop trying to become something I've already made you. Sanctification is an inside-out transformational process. It is not. Sanctification is not behavioral modification unto a new identity. Say it again. Sanctification is not changing my behavior unto a new status or identity. Sanctification is acknowledging a new status or identity that grows unto new behaviors. Are you grasping that? Grasping that? This is so important. The sanctification is me recognizing I have a new identity and a new status with God. Now start living like it. That's sanctification. Justification is something I cannot do on my own. It is a gift of God with a transaction of faith being the payment. Not payment in full, Jesus paid the price for it. I'm talking about uh, currency of heaven. I'm releasing faith in order to receive it. So now, having been justified by faith, what happens? We have what with God? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say "Peace." peace. So now, having been justified... Having the snapshot of become a new creation in Christ, now we have peace. You know what peace with God means? Peace means harmony, tranquility, free from disputes or hostility. Having peace in this tense is something that will not end. Having been justified, we have peace with God. There's no ending to it. There's no completion to it. He's not happy one day and mad the next. He's not pleased with us one day and hostile the next. Once we've been justified, we have peace with God. we got to get this revelation because what we believe is we still believe that our acts and our deeds are determining God's response to us is we still believe that God's happy or mad at us based on what we do. I'm trying to help us out of some religious traditions. He says that having been justified, snapshot, by faith, now you have peace with God. We aren't trying to earn peace with God. You've got peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do I have peace? Because of Jesus. I don't have peace because I was better today than I was yesterday. I have peace with God because of Jesus. So this is why we should cling to Jesus because he's our peace. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 if you would please. Please turn there. Hold your finger there in Romans. We'll come back to it. Ephesians chapter 2 talking about we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to try and get out of this first verse, first verse of Romans chapter 5 eventually. It may take a couple weeks. Ephesians chapter 2. Look what it says in verse 11. We're talking about you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, remember that you... Thank you, Lord. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh... Are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ. Now, pay attention. What is our condition without Christ? The reason I feel like the Lord wants us to preach this this morning is because we need to understand, we need to get a, a firm foundation of the true gospel. That we've been brought up and taught up in churchianity and we've strayed away from the gospel that people are too many times depending on their performance to determine the the, the acceptance and the relationship with God. And we've got to remember, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Jesus. So without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise... Without Christ, what's our condition? Next part, having no hope and without God in the world. Without Jesus in our lives, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we do not have God. There is one way to the Father. That's through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, without Christ, we do not have God in this world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I have peace with God. Look what happens. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. What's our peace? Jesus is our peace. Here's something we need to understand right now. True peace is not a feeling. It's a person. I just need some peace in my life. Yes, we need Jesus. We think, I need some peace and quiet. I just need some peace. As long as we think peace is a thing and not a person, then we will look for it by any means necessary. My goal is not peace. My goal is a person. I just need some peace. And whatever it takes to get some peace, I'll take it. Be careful. Because we're trying to go after a thing, then after a person that says, he himself is our peace. So we're not going after a feeling. We're not hooked on a feeling. We're hooked on a person. The peace, the true peace that we're looking for can only be found in Jesus. Friends, doesn't matter what we're doing. If we look for peace through any other way than Jesus, we will not find it. He's our peace and he's done what? He's, he has made both one. What's both? The Gentile and the Jew. He's made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, What's the middle wall of separation? Between us and God. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. So the enmity that was against us, he said he's abolished that. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. He eliminated Jew Versus Gentile, now they are one in Christ. He's made peace between God and man, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body. What body is that? The body of Christ. He's reconciled them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Notice what happened. Jesus came through the cross and made peace between God and man, and now he's brought us near through Jesus. How do we come near? By our performance? No, but we don't believe that. We know that's the right church answer, but when we do our regular everyday life, we still gravitate towards, I'm brought near by being a good boy, because religion leans on performance. Well, I got to read my Bible, I got to pray in order to be close to God. Those are all great things. But my nearness to him is not dependent on my performance, or I will do my duties, my I will go through the motions and I will never love him in the process. Why am I brought near? How am I brought near? I'm brought near by one thing. What is it? Jesus. How am I brought near to the Father? Jesus. So what do I need to do? Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Why do I need to read the Bible? Not so that God will approve of me because Jesus is the word. Come on. I'm clinging to Jesus when I read my Bible. I'm not getting a star on my chart. I'm not getting a pat on my head when I read my Bible. I'm clinging to Jesus. And Jesus is how I'm accepted. Jesus is my peace. He's how I'm drawn near. So when I get close to the Word, I'm getting close to God. Not because He's happy, but because I'm learning to know Him. Ooh. We got to break out of this religion, we got to break out of this religious performance. We got to know though wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm not supposed to read my Bible. No, we got to understand why we're reading our Bible. I'm not reading my Bible to go through the motions and saying that's what Christians do. We read my devotion. No, I want to know you and the fellowship of your suffering. So, Lord, I want to be brought near to you. So when I read, I just think, oh, I'm getting close to God as I read my Bible. And you feel that? But it says in verse 18 that through him we have access by one spirit to the Father. Now go back to Romans chapter 5. Oh, Jesus. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no hostility between us and the Father. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Well, this verse 2 is really important. We're justified, snapshot, by faith. We're born again. We're born again, now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse two, sometimes I believe we can embrace verse one and not embrace verse two because verse two says, through whom also? Who's the whom? Jesus. So through Jesus also. You know what also means? In addition to. So the same way we have verse one, we also have verse two. Everything that we believe is capable and and applicable in verse 1 is also now applicable through Jesus in verse 2. You see how I'm setting you up for that? Through whom also we have access. Everybody say access. Access. Through Jesus we have access. What does that word access mean? It means right or opportunity to approach or have access to the presence of a superior right or opportunity to approach or have access. So what God's saying, we don't just get our go to heaven ticket punched and then survive earth. Through Jesus also I've been justified, I have peace with God. Now he says, don't forget, you also have access. You have access to things you did not have access to before. So he said, You have a backstage pass to walk into an area that heretofore you were not allowed in. I want to say this. I have access to a life that was not available to me without Jesus. I believe sometimes we accept the justification but out of false humility reject the access. Maybe we were even taught incorrectly that all I have access to is heaven. But he says, I've been justified by faith. I have peace with God through whom also we have access by what? By the same thing that got me justified is the same thing that I have to use in my access. It's going to help us right here. Because some people create their theology that faith gets you born again, but after that, it's just the sovereign will of God. Oh, Jesus. Let's let's keep going. That my access, you have access by what? We're just reading the Bible, right? Romans chapter, I know it's the New King James translation, but maybe you got a better translation. But Through whom also we have access by? Into this grace in which we stand. So we have access by faith. So the same faith that I release to get born again is the same faith I I release to acknowledge and apply the grace that is available to me. We can't have a different theology for salvation and a different theology for walking out the access into the grace that God's given us. I can't have something different. I can't say, well, it's my choice here, but then it's totally God's choice for everything else after that. That's not the way it works. I have access to his grace. What does that mean? Mm, Let's look at it. The word grace is a word charis. In the Greek, it means God's graciousness. Some people have defined it. The most popular definition you've heard of this is God's unmerited favor. You ever heard that? Grace, unmerited favor? I believe that that's an accurate but incomplete definition. Because grace is not just God's feelings towards me. Unmerited favor, how he feels towards me. Is that true? Absolutely. But is that all? Just that this is how God feels about me? I believe it's more than that. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12... You can hold your finger here in Romans five and we'll go there for a second because some people won't believe it unless they read it in their Bible, and that's good. I want you to be that kind of person, so that's not a criticism. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Look at mm, look at verse four. This whole chapter is good, but for time's sake, I'm only going to read one. I'm going to pull one thing out. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, um, talking about spiritual gifts. Verse four. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Underline the word gifts there. Diversities of gifts. That word gifts is a Greek word charismata, or charisma, from the root word of charis. So the gifts of God are grace gifts. What what am I trying to say? That we have access into a grace, which means also all the gifts that God wants to utilize and release into our life. We have to use that access by faith to acknowledge and appropriate those gifts into our own personal life. Amen. So I'm justified in a snapshot by faith. And then I have peace with God. Wonderful. He said, and then also... Through Jesus also we have access into a room filled with gifts. So we don't have to live by the same life we lived before. We have access to gifts that God wants to give us. And we have to, how do we access those gifts? We access them through Jesus Christ, but we access them by faith. I've got to believe that God has a life for me to live that's different from what I lived before. Here's what I believe we're doing. We're living below the the level that God wants us to live in because we don't know sometimes what we have access to. I'm asking God to show me what I have access to. I believe I'm living below the limit that God wants me to live in because I have not fully acknowledged everything that's in the room for me. I'm only taking portions of it, the portions that I understand, the portions, some of it, just help me. I'm talking out loud. I'm going to externally process right now. That's my favorite thing to do. I'm going to, I'm only acknowledging the things that I'm worthy of. I'm only operating sometimes in the things that I think I'm deserving of. I'm only operating sometimes in the things that I think people can handle. I'm only operating in some things that that sometimes I think other people are going to approve of. I'm only operating in some things that, that I haven't been disappointed in. But he says that we have access by grace or by faith into this grace in which we stand. The word stand means to continue firmly, well established in a particular state. Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Stand, in which we stand. What does that remind me of? Stand, stand, stand therefore, stand therefore, having your waist skirt about with truth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it's in Ephesians when it talks about that, that you put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Stand, therefore. He's talking about a position in his grace that I access by faith, and I get to be in this position under the grace of God, with the gifts of God available. But he says we have to stand in that. Because we have an enemy, we have warfare that's coming against us. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand in that evil day. And having done all, having done all, well, I've done everything I know to do. and Just stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girt about with the belt of truth, putting on the breastplate of his righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of whereby you can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Wait a minute. How many darts does the faith quench? How many? Is it interesting? Is it interesting that the shield of faith, faith, he didn't call it the shield of grace. Nothing wrong with being called the shield of grace. I'm just saying he didn't call it that. He said the shield of quenches all the fiery darts of the evil. one." Are there going to be fiery darts against us? Absolutely. Do we have a weapon against it? Yes. Yes. What's it called? Shield of faith. There's going to require faith for us to quench some of these fiery darts. Does that mean the darts aren't going to be shot? No, that means they're gonna stick in my shield and my shield, I don't have time to teach on it, but shield's been oiled by the Holy Spirit and soaked in water of the Word of God and my faith is not in my belief, my faith is not in my hope, my faith is not in my ability, but my faith is saturated in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and every time he shoots a fiery dart, faith is what I use to believe my way out of it because I'm believing what God said not what I feel that's what I said last week remember our feelings our real feelings have to be run through the filter of our God-given reality of the word of God and he's working on me he's working on me he said Chad listen stop stop letting your real feelings limit the reality that I have for your life thank you for listening to this week's message if you enjoy this podcast and would like to give please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.